medallion. Thank you. It's very kind of you guys to honor me that way. Um, I'll tell you like Britney Spears told all her first husbands. I don't intend to keep you very long. I wanted, I wanted to tell you that, um, is it Sister Dottie? She was over there a while ago, and she said, oh, you look much better in person than you do on TV. And her daughter, now listen, her daughter's over there going, Mom, don't stop. And I was going, no, let your mother talk. <laughs> that was very kind of you. Thank you. Um, I came from StarTech, South Carolina. Tuckapaw. Tuckapaw. I was poor and didn't know it. But I had, I had people in my life that planted those seeds for me because I wasn't always a Christian man. I was um, a regular teenager. Uh, that young man in the purple shirt back there is different. He's very different. He gets it. He gets what's important in life, and it's not things, and it's not uh, stuff. It's leading people to the Savior. You're doing a great job, son. You keep it up. You keep doing what you're doing. Amen. Because you have no clue, the people that's turned you down, that's laughed at you, that smiled at you, they're going to look back one day at the right moment, and they're going to go, man, I'm, I remember him inviting me to church. That's why he's different. And they're going to, they, you know, you've just planted a seed. God will make that seed grow. So you just keep planting. Sometimes we need to water the garden with our tears, I guess you'd say. But I grew up in StarTex, and um, we... Dressed the same, we talked about the same, we fished, same places, um, played ball on the same ball team, and, and it wasn't until I got in high school and started moving away that I found out that, you know, I really didn't have a whole lot, but I actually had a whole lot more than a man could ever talk about because my mother and father loved me very much, and my mother and father made me go to church, Amen. and my mother and father, my, my father whipped my tail when I needed it. I had very clean britches because my dad beat the dirt out of mine. <laughs> and, and you can see I didn't turn into an axe murderer. Right. I didn't turn into something horrible that, that people who are very liberal think you will if you get disciplined. It's, there's a difference between beating a child and disciplining your child. Yeah. Very, very, very big difference. And I believe in, 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 in spanking that child if they need it. But you see, let me tell you, parents is about servanthood when you have a child you have to serve until they're forever gone <laughs> I mean, cause I, just cause they get open out of your house don't mean they won't be raiding your wallet and your refrigerator and your fishing rods and your tools they'll, they'll still come get all that stuff I'm, I'm proud of my sons I have five boys I have one son that's uh, in the air force right now he serves as a load master on a C-17 and he's been to Iraq and been all over the country several times for us. And I have a son named Andy that's out of the Air Force now. He was he served in Iraq and um, over he was stationed in Qatar. And I have a daughter-in-law that's still over there right now. So all the veterans in here, I, I appreciate you very much, and yes. I love you. Thank you for letting us be able to come worship where we want to worship. You made a huge difference in our life, and I really, if nobody said that to you today, let me be the first to tell you, I thank you and I love you. And I thank the spouses for staying home and taking care of things while the men folk can go out and do what they're supposed to. Now listen, I had a different kind of a drug problem when I was younger. 
when I misbehave in church, my daddy drug me out of the back of the church and, and applied that power of right hand of power. And, and when I was misbehaving in school, he drug me out to the bathroom and made me understand that the teacher's not there to discipline me. She's there to educate me. My father and my mother did that. I, I want you to know that, um, you know, I, I was raised in church, and I was saved at a very early age. I was saved at about the age of 11, and, you know, I did, I did what a lot of other people do as I went wayward, and I didn't want to have anything to do with church when I got to be a teenager, because I, for some reason, thought it was all about me. Yeah. Sure did. Thought it was all about me. It's what I want. Because yeah. I, was, I was listening to those lies on TV. If it feels good, do it. Yeah. I was listening to those lies that the TV will tell you, and your friends at school will tell you. I was listening to those people who was uh, making fun of the people that I had worshipped with in school and in church. And but let me tell you, God's mercy is pretty good. Yeah. Pretty pretty good. Right. You were singing a while ago about the battle. And you're right. He is, however many victories and zero, he don't lose. Right. He don't lose. Amen. He never gives up when we quit. He doesn't give up when we decide that something's too hard to do. He didn't give up on the teenager that's out there, you know, making terrible choices. He didn't give up on, on us when we make bad choices in our family and in our marriage. He didn't give up on us. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm not special. I, I, I married a woman who was a God-fearing woman. And there's a Bible verse that talks about a, a, a righteous woman being having a crown. Man, I got one. I got one. Her name's Kim. She's my best buddy. And she's the only person that I speak with about anything marital. She is my rock. She's the one that encouraged me to run for sheriff. Because when she first did it, I asked her, I said, Did you fall down somewhere today and hit your head? Because I'm from StarTex, honey. I'm not supposed to be a sheriff. All I can tell you is when God calls you to do something, you better shut your mouth and go be getting doing it. That's right, man. That's, that's about the best message I can give you. And somebody asks me all the time, people ask me all the time, tell me what your secret is. I'm like, what secret are you referring to? Yeah. How are you so successful? How do you do this? And how do you know when to do that? I said, well, um... It's a new phenomenon. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called prayer. Amen. It's called trust. It's called faith. Right. And faith is not knowing what the answer is going to be and then going ahead and doing that. Faith is just knowing that your God knows what's going on and he knows what to do and when to do it at the perfect time. That's what God wants us to have faith in. He, he won't fail us. He won't mess us up. Let me let me just tell you this. My election, and I'm not going to be political. I don't want to use the church for anything other than praising God, and I'm not going to. So let me just say this. I was running for sheriff in 2004, and I was running against a, a very smart gentleman named Bill Coffey, and there was another gentleman by the name of Bill Norris that was in the race. And I had challenged both of them to a debate at Spartanburg Methodist College, where I'm an alum from, as well as your pastor, 
Um, so we go over there, and long story short, I had taken that day off, and I didn't go campaigning. I, I, I slept, I studied, and, and I just rested trying to get my mind right because I had been literally knocking on doors and seeing everybody I could see asking for support. Well, on the way down there, I heard um, on the way down to the Spartanburg Methodist College debate, I was to meet my friends uh, in law enforcement. I was going to meet them and have some pizza with them. And then, because my wife told me, she said, you seem to do better when you talk to your friends about this and get your mind right. Again, my wife is right. So I'm on the way down in my car and I'm on the way to the pizza inn and I hear his radio on the radio and it says, hey boy, welcome to the weapon store of Israel. Can I get you a knife or a gun? Little boy said, no, I'll take five smooth stones and a sling. He says, okay. So he sets them up on the counter and you know, he says, what you going to go after there, son? He says, I'm going to go after that Philistine giant named Goliath. The guy says, you ain't going to beat him. You got to save your money and get you a gun. He says, no, you don't understand. He said, it's my job to be faithful. It's God's job to win the battle. Amen. So I, you know, because I was praying out loud in the car by myself. I turned the radio off. I said, I heard you. I heard you. Got it. So the further the story, I go over and some things I wanted to happen, happened. I wanted to be the last speaker. I wanted some questions asked. You know, we didn't know what they were going to ask. I didn't know what kind of questions these people were going to ask me. All the questions was right where the stuff that I'd been studying. That's not an accident. So I got up to speak, and my wife tells me after that, she says, I've never, ever heard you speak eloquently as you have this afternoon. She said, that was very amazing. I got a standing ovation and a lot of people coming over and saying, you know, we're going to pray for you and support you. And I told her that story, and she went that next day and bought me these five smooth stones that I keep in my pocket all the time. That's why I rattle when I come down the aisles. <laughs> I, I, I keep these five smooth stones in my pocket all the time. And this is just a reminder that this being sheriff thing ain't about Chuck Wright. This is about a, a, a boy from StarTex that grew up fishing in the river, that grew up carp fishing over at Foster's Lake, that rode a bicycle delivering papers and, and, and raking yards and cutting grass just trying to buy some new shoes. God said, that's what I want you to do, and I'll provide for you, and he did. That's all this is a reminder of. This is not a good luck charm. It's just it's a reminder. I'm just a servant. I'm just like you guys that make the church go. The pastor can be as good a pastor as he wants to be. He can do all the right things. He can be as biblical as he possibly can be. Without your servanthood, cannot happen. I'm speaking from experience because I got 545 officers that work under me or work with me. And, and I can't do any of this stuff without their willingness to be a servant. And I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you what the mark of a real true character man is for me. You young men, listen to this. The mark of a character man, a biblical character man, is somebody who does something for somebody that cannot do a thing in return for you. Because you think about this. Jesus Christ, what could we give him? What could we possibly give him? There is nothing for us to give him. We've already given lip. 
We've already run our mouths. We've already sinned. We've already, everybody in this room probably has broken the Ten Commandments at least 300 times over. I know I have. It is about God loving us first. Ain't no deserving. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You don't give me what I deserve. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Because I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve to have five kids that are wonderful. My two, I, I was talking about my two older sons. Uh, I have two daughter-in-laws and a grandbaby named Caroline. She's beautiful, by the way. <laughs> I told both of my sons in front of their wives-to-be. I said, son, have you ever seen me hit your mama? No, sir. You ever seen me out drunk having a foolish time? No, sir. You ever seen me out carousing around with other women? No, sir. You ever seen me just generally be mean to your mama? No, sir. I said, by golly, I expect the same from you or you're going to see me. About it. Yeah. And you better hope the Polish gets you before I get to you because it ain't going to work out too good for you. Both of the daughter in laws told me they really appreciated me saying that. I told them, I said, Look, we just ain't mean to our women. We ain't mean to our women. I'm going to encourage you that domestic violence is a growing problem and has been for a long time. And there's no reason to hide it, men. There is no reason for you to put your hands on your wife unless it's out of love or protection. Period. And there's no acceptance to it as well. I'll pray for you. I'll love on you. I'll come bring you water if you need water. I'll come help you change your tire. If you hit your wife, you don't want to call me. You do not want to call me. Because it ain't going to work out too good for you. And you know what? You might be physically bigger than I am, but I got some pretty motivated big deputies that can come help me too. We got all these cool little toys now that'll make you go. <laughs> they make you beg for mercy. I had a gentleman told me one time I was going to arrest him. I had to um, go and arrest him for driving under the influence. And uh, he's a big old kid too now. Had muscles on top of his muscles and tattoos on his neck. And he said, "I just want to let you know, officer, I'm a trained cage. I'm a trained cage fighter. I've never lost a fight." I said, "Neither's my pistol." He said, no, wait a minute. I said, nope, we ain't going to discuss that. Yeah. <laughs> There's no discussing that part of it. <laughs> Look, I know that there, I know God loves me, and I know there's a purpose for me because I can tell you time and time and time again that I've answered calls that I was not supposed to come off of alive. I know traffic stops where I've confiscated things that should have killed me. I have a little pistol in my truck that a guy was going to kill me with. Yeah. That's a little smoother than he would. Because God helped me be a little smoother than he was. Let me tell you what. My father-in-law told me, who was a trooper for 23 years, getting back to the servant hunt part of this service, he told me, he said, Chuck, if you'll just treat people the way you want to be treated, 99% of them will help you back. And they'll respond better to that. And that's the kind of stuff I try to encourage my deputies to do. I, I try to encourage them very much to help our guys do much more than I can possibly ever recognize them for. There are so many things, they, the small things they do. I just was made aware of this not long ago. Our traffic division has been stopping cars in certain areas where teenagers are and handing out certificates when they've been doing nothing wrong. They're going, we noticed that you was doing good. We noticed. We noticed that you were driving the speed limit and you had your seatbelt on and you... 
had your music turned down and you were doing what's right. We noticed. I didn't tell them to go do that. That's just the kind of people we work with. That's the kind of people that represents the sheriff's department. That's kind of that's the kind of honor that I have when I go to work every day with pride. It's it's foolish pride, and then there's pride. Don't have that foolish pride. Everywhere you look in the Bible, every story you read in the Bible, God don't let people down easy. <laughs> he don't. I remember re- I remember reading. I think it's in the book of Isaiah, and I got so many pastors in here. Y'all can probably correct me, but I remember reading somewhere in the Holy Bible. When I was running for sheriff, it was about the time I was about to be elected. It says, I'm the God that lifts kings up. And I'm also the God that takes kings down. I don't remember if that's in Isaiah or Proverbs, but I remember it's in the Holy Bible because I remember it just like I read it just a second ago. Again, I said, I heard you. I heard you. Look, I lost my father in 2007. It was a very trying time. I also lost Kevin Carper, who was one of my friends and a deputy in 2007. And that was a very hard year. Very hard year. We lost Kevin Carper, February the 27th, to a senseless killing. He had put a gentleman in jail, or was going to put a gentleman in jail, for the 42nd time. Our criminal justice system's failing us again. And we need to pray for the people who we put in office to represent us. Not because they speak smoother than everybody else, because they are doing what they say they're going to do. Let me tell you this. I know for a fact that the seat I sit in as a sheriff don't belong to me, it belongs to y'all. And when y'all get tired of me being in that seat or don't think I'm doing what my job is, I know what's going to happen. So I just simply go to work every day and try to do the right things. I know I don't make a decision that everybody agrees with. I totally get that. But you can bet I make decisions based on what's going to be good for everybody. Right. And that's what I'm going to do. I had a guy told me, he said, you're going to have some opposition. I said, well, I don't know about that. I don't care. But if you don't want a sheriff that is hard on drugs and don't tolerate no nonsense and believes in standing up for your rights and owning weapons and doing what's right by the Constitution, you probably need to get somebody else because that's what I'm going to do. And I also, by the way, Every opportunity I can with the cameras on me, I'm going to tell people about God's grace. Amen. We had a prayer. It was a big deal to everybody. It wasn't to me because we just pray. <laughs> when we when that when God delivered that child out of the river last Christmas, that was a total miracle. Right. It was. It was a total hand of God. <laughs> you know, I made a comment that I don't really care what the ACLU thought about me praying. I'm going to pray. You know. You know yeah. I, and I told the people, I said, you don't have to pray if you don't want to, but you're going to shut up while I do. Yeah. Amen. I don't say nothing when other people do their thing. I'm going to be respectful to people, whether right. they believe in what I believe or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me tell you about this one before I go into telling you about Kevin Carper and my father. This young man had wandered off. He was 18 months old. He'd wandered off from his house, legitimately wandered off. His mom was using the restroom. Comes out and the dog is helping him open the door and just like 18 month olds do, they took off. We searched every inch of that ground down there. Couldn't find that child nowhere. And we were, I was personally beginning to wonder, what did the mama do with this baby? What happened here? You know, it don't pass the smell test. What's happened? 
I talked to my investigators who were normally over the top of that, and they were like, Sheriff, I don't get that feeling. I'm like, well, feel something else, man. I'm telling you, something wrong. He said, no, Sheriff, you know, I believe the mama's telling the truth. So we got some of our chaplains, and we got together off in the side, and we prayed. And we prayed out loud, too. We didn't get over and go, Lord, help us. No, we got over and we was going, Almighty God, show us where this child is. We need your help. We are not going to be able to do this without you. And and we, I had come to the realization that it might be a recovery and not a rescue. But that's part of my job, and I don't like that part of my job, but that's part of it. So I stayed as long as I could. I was very tired. I went home, and I said, well, at 4.30 in the morning, I went home after being up all day. <laughs> I said, I'm going to get up about 7 o'clock and be on back down here. <laughs> all right. About 12 o'clock, I went, ah, I'm late. Took off back down there. It had been raining off and on a little bit. Clouds were coming. A little cool. I'm driving down the road and I said, Father, please show us where this baby is. Please. I look up in the clouds. On I'm driving 26 toward Columbia. And there's a hand in the clouds. Look, it's got something in it. And you know, I didn't think, oh, everything's going to be all right. I didn't think that. I was like, yeah, I know you know where he is. Now, where is your hand? I know you got him in the palm of your hand, but where's your hand? I mean, you got to dumb it down a little bit for me. You know me. <laughs> Show me. Yeah. We go down there. We've been praying. We've been looking. Two of my guys. One of the guys used to work with me works with DNR now. The other guy works for me. Guy from DNR brings two kayaks, throws them in the river. They get in the river in less than nine minutes. They call back and they go, we got him. He's laying here on the bank. We got him. Alive, cold, dirty, but we got him. He was tucked up underneath the bank. All of our technology was not going to find this child. There is no logical reason why a child that is this tall can get to a bank up and under a bank in water that deep that can't swim without the almighty God's hand putting him there. Our FLIR, our forward-looking infrared radar, couldn't find him because he was under the bank. That whole night down there, we heard coyotes. And you know, that's a real threat. Here's, here's the funny part about it. Wasn't God's timing for me to find that baby. Because I literally was standing from here to the door where that child was tucked underneath the bank. <laughs> we didn't hear him. He was too exhausted to cry. We got him on the ambulance, and I immediately shut the door, and they had the heat blankets on him, and I told the crew, I said, be quiet for a minute. They looked at me real funny, and they said, Sheriff, we need to, I said, be quiet. I'm going to pray. So I give thanks and praise right there on the ambulance for that young man's life. The young lady who was a very attractive 23 or 24-year-old nurse, I hope if I get her, that's who I hope I wake up looking at, because she's right pretty. But anyway, she's crying, crying. And I look at her and I said, God is really alive and he's real. And she said, I know. Amen. I kissed that little boy on his head. <laughs> My lip prints was right there. He's so dirty. <laughs> he just looked up at me. We go see him. He's fantastic. That's, that's the hand of God. That was God. It wasn't us, our effort. That was God.
Kevin Carper, that was the hardest part of I I think that's the hardest day I've ever been sheriff. Because they called me on a Tuesday night at 10.30, February the 27th, 2007. They said, Sheriff, Kevin's been shot. I said, how is he? He said, they don't think he's going to make it. I said, what? So don't think he's going to make it. I said, don't do anything. I'll be there in a minute. He was about four miles from my home. My wife said I look like a Marine getting dressed. And I drove down the highway. I will never forget the look. When I got there, they'd already had it taped off, and I got and, I, and Kevin had already passed by the time I got there. I looked down at him, and he had a little blood coming out of his mouth. His hair was messed up, and I was about to comb his hair because he was the neatest kid. And I was like, this is a crime scene now. Grown men standing there crying. Grown men standing there with a, with a, with an empty look in their face. Let me tell you this: the gentleman that shot Kevin perished that night as well, but he didn't do it right there on the scene. He did it at the hospital because they just couldn't save him. But let me tell you, the police officers that were on the scene were giving that guy life support, CPR mouth-to-mouth, bandaging him up, taking care of his wounds, and he just killed one of our brothers. Don't tell me about courage. Don't tell me about servanthood, because I've seen it. I've seen it. We got together and went back to the sheriff's department, and I prayed with a whole group of people, and I told them, I said, let me tell you, this is not a black guy killing a white guy. This was evil versus good. That's all you can see in it. This had nothing to do with race. This was bad guy, good guy. That's how we have to look at this, and that's what we're going to do. We are not going to retaliate. We are not going to do the thing. We're going to follow the law. We're going to pray, and God's going to have something good come out of this. And he did. There was a a pouring, a pouring of love and support to the Spartan Mechanic Sheriff's Department like I've never seen in my life. I think the officers really opened their eyes and go, man, they really do support us. I said, yeah, they do. They don't nobody want to call us unless they need us, and when they do need us, there's problems. Yeah, I just have to understand that's just the nature of our job. When my father passed away, they diagnosed him with cancer in 2007, a little after Kevin Carper. My dad and I were pretty close. I was sitting in his room one night, or one day, probably about 10 days before he passed. And he'd gotten to where he couldn't hardly talk, and you know, you could, you could just tell it was wearing on him. And he said, Chuck, I'm tired. I said, we'll go to sleep. He said, ain't that kind of tired. And I know what he was asking me. And I couldn't talk to him, so I looked at TV. I was watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. I just couldn't tell him. I was sitting there kind of looking at the TV praying, what do you want me to do? Give me courage. Help me. Yeah. I turned around and looked at my father about 10 minutes later, and I said, Dad, if you're that tired, I want you to go home. He said, you coming? I said, soon. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. When it's my time, I'll be there. He says, um... I'm going to go on the other side and fish a little bit. I said, save me a spot, will you, bro? He said, yeah, I see you. 
So he went on to sleep that day. And uh, my mother comes in about four or five days later. We're sitting there again. And my mom and dad was married for 46 years. My mama laid her head on my daddy's chest and couldn't speak anymore. And he said, <clears throat> she looked up. My dad leaned over and kissed her right in the mouth and just smiled at her. The song that was on the CD was The King is Coming. I got to crying pretty bad. and My young mama come over and was petting me and she said, it's going to be okay. I said, Dad, Mom, it ain't got nothing to do with my father dying. Because I know that when he is absent from the body, he's present with God himself. I said, what's getting me very emotional is the king really is coming. Yeah. The king really is coming. He's coming to get my dad. He's coming to take him to the other side of the river where we can fish in peace. What you going to do when the king comes? Where are you going to be when the king comes? Look, I'm, I'm promising you, I'm nobody special. I, I'm not. I don't think of myself any different than just what I am. I'm a servant, and my prayer sitting in that seat before I got up here is, please, God, don't let me get in your way today. What you going to do? What you going to be doing when the king is coming? And who are you going to be listening to when the king is coming? Because he's coming. He made his promise and he is coming. So I challenge you that he's going to come and get his servants first. He says that. He says he's going to come get his servants. And I'm going to serve. How about you? You know... You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a sheriff. You don't have to be anything, but you do have to be the best you can and show somebody toward God. Because let me tell you why, as a young man, I did not want to be a part of church for a long time. I got up to about 17, 18 years old, and I was being 17 and 18 years old. And I had more members of church that were talking about me and down to me. I was like, I don't need this. <laughs> Fellas out here don't say nothing to me. It's one thing to encourage a brother or a sister. Talking down on them and being judgmental is totally different as well. I'm going to tell you something too that I had to come to realize later in my life. I was probably 17, I guess, when I figured it out. Because I read a Bible that says this. It says in Ephesians, we have no difference between Jew and Gentile, black and white, free and slave. I think I paraphrased that a little bit. But let me, let me just tell you this. Don't you look at nobody for their skin color and make no kind of judgments toward them. Don't you do that. If you've got a problem with somebody's skin color, you talk to Jesus Christ. He made them. He made them exactly how he wants them. And it made me exactly how he wanted me because it says I created mankind in my like image. So if you got a problem with somebody and the way they look, you talk to God about it. Don't be talking to me about it. Because I told my, 
I tell every one of my deputies the day I swear I'm in. I give them a challenge coin, and I give them a challenge. I won't tolerate sexual harassment, insubordination, or racial prejudice. There's no room for it anywhere. Nowhere. So I'm going to encourage you when you go back to school, when you go back to work, that you see that all people are God's creation. Some of them just follow the right ways and some of them don't. I don't hate drug dealers. I hate what drug dealers do. I don't hate Jerry Sandusky. I hate what he does. That's what I do. I don't hate nobody. I don't like the NAACP because I think they're an inclusive group. I don't think they're for everybody. I don't think they're for the good of everybody, in my opinion, the ones that I've had to deal with anyway. But I do believe there's some God-fearing good people in that group. I do. I'm going to leave you with something. Y'all know that I'm the sheriff, and I got the police. I got a badge and all. See what I mean? (laughs) What if I signed a warrant on every one of you and accused you of being a Christian? Would I have enough evidence to convict you of that? Thank you for letting me be here today. I've been blessed. Amen. As you remain standing, um, I believe it would be in order to call our ordained men up. I want to ask the sheriff just to come stand right here. We're going to lay hands on him and pray for him. And uh, for you other men that can gather around this old rugged cross where these names are down through there of lost people, we want them saved and covered in blood of Jesus. We want you to come over there and pray. And if you are here today, if you're not a Christian, let me encourage you to make a change in your life today. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. We'll be glad to show you the way through God's Word. If you're here today and you just have a special need, this altar is open for you. The King is coming. (laughs) You better be prepared for the King. Because He could split the eastern sky at any time. As those men pray, we're going to pray for the sheriff here in a special way. Ask God to protect him, those officers. Give them wisdom. We're going to pray. For all these that are lost, that we know, our friends and family. Praying for your special need today as well. If you've got a need, you come. All right?
they're continuing to pray, you may come if you've got a special need today. so much for being here with us for this special service. What a wonderful testimony. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, you continue to pray for our sheriff and Spartanburg County Sheriff's Department. They've got a big task of um, fighting crime. And we always need to keep them, our heroes, in our prayers each and every day. For all of you that uh, were named servant heroes, we want you to come up and meet with Brother Todd Smith just briefly. He wants to take a group picture. And also, if you're going on the VBS trip, we need you to meet.